exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. My name is Dave Rinku and I'll be your host as usual for the next hour. As always, my lovely co-host Megan to my left. How's it going, Megan? Trying to catch up on some sleep. Pretty busy this weekend. Yeah, pretty tired? Yeah, I mean, I was, like I told you before the show, I was in Battle Creek for high school wrestling Friday and Saturday. Sunday, I got to watch the awesome, you know, MSU game that which we'll talk about later. Yeah. So <laughs> I just am so sleep deprived right now. It's, I've been busy all weekend, so. Yeah, well, February is a brutal month. Uh, happy last day of February to everyone out there. Uh, February is a month, unless maybe your birthday's in it. Uh, no one can really tolerate. I hate February. Um, for every, look, rent already do i just paid rent and so you know mine's due tomorrow yeah mine's due tomorrow why is that i guess i have to the fourth without the late fee but february you god awful oh it's a horrible month <laughs> it's bad everything bad but look it's warming up a little bit outside right now um looks like we're gonna have like mid 30s for the highs for the rest of the week Ooh. oh yeah i mean hopefully heat we can wave. get <laughs> big heat wave uh it was like raining ice pellets last night gosh it was horrible walking to class it was like I almost fell like five times. It was like walking on like ice, like literally the whole entire way was a complete sheet of ice. Yep. I mean, it's what you're going to get now. I mean, careful driving in that stuff, but uh, hopefully it can warm up soon enough and to get re- get rid of all this snow. Uh, people can finally get outside and get active. I'm tired of sitting around all winter not doing much. It's uh, quite boring. <laughs> it just is. I want to get on the basketball court. Watching all this basketball, and I can't play. So, uh, but we're going to start the show off. We have a lot to get to on today's show. We're going to get to some uh, women's and men's Spartan basketball. Definitely talk a little Tiger Spring training. We got the Pistons fiasco out there in Auburn Hills. Little Red Wings, uh, you know, the NBA trade deadline. A lot of moves went down, a lot of trades. And talk about what your thoughts are on some of those. And uh, whatever you guys want, don't forget the phone number, 517-432-3893. Call in all show. Give us your opinion about whatever we're talking about. Or if you have something more interesting to talk about, I guess let us know. But uh, we are going to start the show off today with actually the uh, Michigan State women's basketball team. Uh, the Michigan State women's basketball team clinched its first outright conference championship uh, on Sunday. Uh, well, actually, they had clinched it when Penn State lost to Purdue earlier in the week, uh, even though they lost to Ohio State by a point uh, earlier this week as well. They still had clinched it, but they ended the season on a fantastic note, coming back and beating Minnesota 65-51. to uh, They rallied from 12 points behind in the second half. Uh, played a great comeback game. Uh, Susie Mershon has a nice quote saying, quote, I felt like in order for us to get, kind of put an exclamation point on the outright championship, we needed to take one more step and earn it, end quote. And that's what the ladies team did. Um, they played a fantastic uh, basketball all season long. Uh, final uh, record of 25-4, and 13-3 in the Big Ten. This is the first outright conference championship that this uh, team, that the, the women's team has ever gotten. So congratulations to the team, the coaches, um, everybody involved. Um, they played a fantastic job. They played very well uh, this entire season and uh, hope to see them make a deep run in the tournament. 
Um, actually, they have a bye in the first round of the Big Ten tournament that, that, will, that will start next week in Indianapolis. And they will play Minnesota again if Minnesota beats Northwestern in their first round. Now, just real fast, Megan, I mean, just some uh, you know thoughts on the women's team, just uh, their accomplishments and what they've done this season. I mean, I obviously haven't watched anything. We've talked a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I've been hearing, it sounds like an incredible season. They had their first sellout ever, which we talked about. A yeah, against weeks Michigan. Ago. Yep, and I, to to be Big Ten champs, you know, we're so focused on the men's basketball team and what they've been doing and Always. how bad they've been doing. And you know, it's kind of nice to hear, especially with us talking about it. Like, if you go on MSUSpartans.com, front page is about Michigan State women's basketball. Yep. Like, that's the first thing you see. And I'm glad they're finally getting, you know, the credibility they deserve. And they're they're doing what they need to do. And they're doing what they need to do to get the job done. And, you know, the fame will come. And it's obviously coming with them being Big Ten champs and, and everything. And I just, congratulations to them. That's where I'm at right now. No, same here. Um, I, You know, I like to say I've watched a lot of your games, uh, Lady Spartans. I haven't. I'm not going to lie about it. But uh, still, I have kept up on you guys in the last three weeks or so. And, uh, you know, I've been playing great basketball. Uh, you know, they take care of games. They win when they need to. And uh, they've beaten, you know, all the – they beat most of the teams in the Big Ten, 13-3, and three, like I said, in the conference. Uh, the closest team to them is Penn State at 11-5 and five in the conference. Um, you know, they've really dominated the Big Ten. There really hasn't been. I mean, other than Penn State and Iowa, really, I mean, Michigan State is a really big front runner to even take this whole Big Ten tournament down. So it's nice to see them have as much success as they've had. Um, always, like you said, always in kind of the shadow of the men's basketball team. But that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, you know, we talked about it on the previous shows. Women's sports just does not get the publicity and the credibility they deserve. But that's why we're starting to show off with them. They are they've accomplished more than the men's team obviously right now they're playing way better than the men's team right now and they deserve all the respect right now so again congratulations to the women's team fantastic job at closing out your season good luck in the big 10 tournament and uh you know march madness here's we come i'll probably be watching michigan state women's team a lot longer than the men's team come tournament time but uh (laughs) we'll see we'll see when we get to that but uh, we are going to move on right now to the men's team, uh, the Michigan State men's Spartans. Uh, we got two games to talk about on today's show. Uh, the Michigan State Spartans played the Minnesota Gophers on Tuesday at Williams Arena out in Minnesota. And they also played yesterday at the Breslin against the Purdue Boilermakers. Now, Megan, what game do you want to start with? Man... Let's let's get the first one out of the way. Let's get the first one. Let's get Minnesota out of the way. All right, we're gonna start with Minnesota. Just because I have so much to say about Purdue, yeah. That I kind of want to talk about that after. Yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll start with this one. Uh, definitely, uh, the Michigan State Spartans, like I said, it faced the Minnesota Gophers this past Tuesday in a game which I think. Anyone, it was some of the ugliest basketball I've seen in a while. Um, Michigan State won. They won. It was 53-48. to 48. Um, a, a brutal first half. If anyone actually watched this first half of basketball, uh, congratulations for staying awake. Um, it was 21-19 to 19 at the half. And some might say, well, that's Big Ten basketball. Well, that's just crappy basketball. They couldn't make a basket. Either team couldn't shoot well. It was sloppy. Turnovers. Nonetheless, Michigan State uh, feeling like they were going to lose it. They were down about seven, eight points there. 
there with like four minutes left, three minutes left in the game. And they did some good things. They had some turnovers, forced some turnovers, I mean. Uh, you know, shot well at the free throw line. Basically earned the win at the stripe. That's where they got it done. Uh, final seven points there in the last uh, minute and uh, 30 seconds of the game to really seal the deal. And uh, like I said, it was, a, it was a much needed road win. Every win right now for Michigan State is incredibly important. Uh, this team is 16-12, and 8-8 eight and eight in the conference. Uh, they could not afford to lose this game to Minnesota. Um, the Spartans, like I said, neither team shot very well. The Spartans shot roughly 37% from the field, 25% from three-point land. But again, they shot good from the line, and especially when they needed to. Keebler hit a couple big uh, free throws. Appling hit four big free throws. And even Darrell Summers came in there and knocked down some free throws. At least he can make those. Um, but uh, talking about this game, uh, you know, I, you said you watched roughly the second half, the last yeah. second half of the game. Yep. Uh, what did you take out of it? it? The game was too close. Shouldn't have been that close. It was they real sh- close. They should have played a lot better than they did, but they didn't. I mean, there's nothing we can do about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, like you said, it's sloppy basketball. Um, see, they had 12 turnovers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they forced 15 for Minnesota, so obviously, I mean. Yeah, it was I'll, back and forth sloppy. Yeah, it was just, I just lately, I'm just like, I don't know where they went, like what happened to them between Ohio State and now, but something happened. <laughs> I mean, I saw a completely different team, you know, back then, and that wasn't even, what, like a week ago? I mean, that was February, I want to say like first. They, um, no, it no, it wasn't that. Li- no, say. I lie about that. It's the 15th. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Two weeks later than that. Right. And I, uh, two different teams again. You know, we're going back to how they were before. Maybe they just were so pumped up, up about Ohio State, and now they're just like, eh, we don't care. But, I mean... Not so much in this game as when we get into Purdue is when I saw the bad things happening. But, I mean, obviously sloppy basketball, turnovers, um, not playing to full potential. Did good from, you know, like free throws, like you said. Six for 24 with three points. I, Way that, too many three-pointers taken. That bothers me a little bit. Um, but Kalen Lucas is carrying this team. Yes, he is. I'm going to say that Kalen Lucas, he's back. He's doing what he needs to do. But, like, I'm seeing the team last year that was so dependent on Kalen Lucas. Um, you know, like when he got hurt. Yeah. At, at March Madness, everyone is sitting here going, "Oh, oh my what gosh! Are we like, do? What are we gonna do? We're gonna lose. We're oh, Kalen Lucas is the team, and that's that's not the t- the type of team we should have." But I'm I'm very impressed with how he's playing, and I think he's the only one right now that is playing to his fullest potential. Um, I, except for I've seen Keebler. Keebler's getting better and better. I think as the season goes on, he definitely is. And um, I'm seeing spurts from everyone else. Sur- Summers isn't impressing me anymore. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about him in a little bit. Um, he's not impressive at all. Uh, I can't believe it. I was going to go pro. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I I mean, I just I want to see a better team. And I, I don't think it's too much to ask, especially when we have Iowa and Michigan coming up. But no, I, definitely. I, I and those guess. are two games we'll talk about coming up here in a minute. But uh, with you talking about Kalen Lucas, I mean, Kalen Lucas put this team on his back. Uh, he played 39 minutes in that Minnesota game, 18 points. I mean, he had you know, double, almost double and a half more points than the rest of our guys had. Uh, the closest to uh, Kalen was Draymond with seven. Uh, you know, just not good. Uh, Kalen, again, you know, he's shooting the ball pretty well from the field. Having to take as many shots as he is. Uh, Darrell Summers, he is shooting the ball lately. Can't make it. Uh, the guy was three for 11 in this game against Minnesota, uh, you know, play 20 minutes, one of six from three-point land. Like I said, he did knock down some clutch free throws uh, that we needed. Uh, but it's still, nonetheless, this team needs other guys to step up. I know Draymond Green has been dealing with that stomach virus that he doesn't want to make as an excuse, but he still, it still has been affecting him in the way he's been saying it. 
this team needs other guys to come forward. And I know Keebler's been playing better defense. Keebler's been doing what he can. You know, guys like Sherman, when they come in, you know, Appling, he is a freshman doing what he can. You need your, your Darrell Summers, these older guys on this team need to step up and realize Kalen can't do it all. He did it again, and he did as much as he could in the Purdue, Purdue game again, and it's just not enough. Uh, this was a game, obviously, Michigan State had to win. They, they they gutted it out. They they barely got there. They did. I mean, I thought they were going to lose it there at the end. They did put together a nice defensive run, got some stops, got some turnovers, and got to the line. You know, they won a game on the road, and no game's easy to win in college basketball on the road, especially a game like this where both teams are really bubble, bubble teams for the tournament right now. Both teams wanted it. But at the same time, I'm going to need more from all these guys. I mean, they got out-rebound into this game, uh, you know, Turnovers, yeah, they, you know, forced, you know, three more turnovers, I guess, in Minnesota, but it's not going to get it done. Spartans need to play better basketball. Minnesota's not the best team out there. They can't, they play basketball like this, they'll get knocked out in the first round. There's just no question about it. But uh, we're going to move on to Purdue real fast because that's a game that I think we should talk about a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Uh, yesterday, anyone who was awake and actually traveled to the Breslin, uh, Michigan State faced the Purdue Boilermakers in an embarrassment of a game. This game. Ended at 67-47 to 47. Uh, with Michigan State losing. That's not on the other end of it. Um, and they just got dominated the entire way. Uh, Purdue went on a quick 16-5 to run in the, you know, midway through the, through the first half to really kind of just gain control of this game. And they never gave it up. They had a nice 19-4 to run to start the second half. Uh, and this game was just out of control from the get-go. Uh, before I give my analysis on it, you were at the game, Megan. I mean, tell me what you saw. I mean, did you have great seats again? Were you right behind the bench? No, I was on the other side of the court this time. Okay, um, so you couldn't spit on anyone? No, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Even though all of us wanted to. They did the ball toss. Everyone wanted to chuck it on the court. Um, <laughs> this is going to be so sad. My favorite part of the game was Keebler's name getting called first for the lineup. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm just going to say that right now. We're all sitting there. We're like, oh, Keebler. Okay, let's do this. Like, um, But, yeah, during the game, I mean, I, it was a very, very frustrating game in general. Um, one of the biggest things that really bothered me was um, help defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I was telling you this earlier, but I they, they had this tall guy. I don't even know how tall he was. He was huge. He was, like, he was the lankiest guy ever, but he was so tall. Yeah. For some reason, every time they'd drive the basket, every time they'd go down low— they just let them burn them every single time. No one would step in and help. It was layup after layup after layup, and it was just easy, easy points for Purdue almost. And um, the other thing, I, I'll, I'll say something good now. Um, Delvon Rowe had an outstanding game. His numbers don't show it, but he had. I, I think there was a run where he did like four. He had four steals or something at once and nice. just took it. And those blocking shots, he did get in a foul trouble really early, which is normal. For for Dalvon, yeah, he, he he commits some dumb fouls. Yeah, it, but he he did really well. Um, again, you know, Keebler did extremely well with defense and everything. Um, Kalen, great game again. Uh, twenty three points. Um, next one would have been hmm, Draymond again with seven. Yeah, again, this is the third straight game <laughs> that Kalen Lucas is the only guy to score in double figures. That might get it done against a weak Minnesota team. Mm -hmm. And Minnesota, again, they're not as bad as... Both teams played poor in that game against them, you know, on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. That was just a game like, yeah, who's going to gut it out the last three minutes? Michigan State did. But when you look at this game against Purdue, as you were saying, no one else stepped up again. Lucas scoring, obviously, in double digits, you know, 24 points here. 
they just never were close in this game. Darrell Summers, Keebler, Appling, and Thorne all shot a combined 4 or 14 from the field. It's just not good enough. This was a game that, honestly, I thought, hey, if they win, they guaranteed NCAA tournament bid. They win this game, they're in the tournament. Mm-hmm. I expected them to lose, to be honest with you, but I expected them to show up. And that's, again, another thing with this Michigan State team. It seems like, you know they come off a tough win against Minnesota, a gut-out a gut kind of win on the road, and then they go home to just get lay, lay a goose egg. The thing that bothered me throughout that game, too, is like you were, just to add to what you were saying, is their heads weren't in it. I saw them, they'd throw a pass, the other person would be turned the wrong way, and they'd throw it out of bounds. I'm like, what is with these turnovers? Yep. It was just so, like, the number says 12. I felt like it was, like, 25. <laughs> like, that's, I don't know what it was. Like, it was a lot of jump balls, a lot of throwing it out of bounds, a lot of uh, go up for rebounds instead of grabbing it and putting elbows out, I've got the ball. They were just tipping it. And then when they tip it underneath the basket, they tip it to the to Purdue. Uh-huh. And it's just not boxing out not, well not at all. Boxing out. It's just it was just really frustrating. Like rebounds, they had thirty six to thirty eight. So I mean, it's not too bad. But I there was one shot I can remember where they they had like four or five attempts that Purdue did because we would just stand there and watch it. The only time we ever would really get a good rebound was when no one else was around us. No, definitely. And I think Izzo, you know, he had a quote after this game, and I think this quote really sums it all up. Izzo says, quote, uh, they played with a tremendous amount of toughness. I didn't think we matched it, end quote. And that's exactly it. Michigan State came to play when they played Ohio State. They matched the intensity that was needed to stay in the game to give themselves a chance to win. I understand they didn't win that game, but that was against the best team in the Big Ten and one of the best teams in the country, hands down. Purdue as well, one of the best teams in the country. They are ranked now sixth in the country. They are a great ball club. But you are on your home court in a game that can get you, this game alone gets you into the tournament. That's why I just can't understand how you get put up 47 points in a game that's going to give you what you've been fighting for all season, what you've been scrapping for. I mean, right now, this is the first time since 1997 that Purdue has won both regular season matchups against the Spartans. Not to mention they've handed us our worst home loss since 2003 when Duke beat us by 22 points at the Breslin. That is just a game. You need to show up for this game, and when you just come out so lackluster, you know, you, okay, you shoot 33%. Like Megan said, you weren't aggressive on the boards as you should have been. You know, little tip drills that, you know, yeah, sometimes that stuff's not working out. They get out rebounded bad, but it comes to amount of toughness, like Izzo said, and that's what I think you saw as well that they lacked in this game. They didn't have the tenacity, they didn't have the toughness to at least make this game competitive. I didn't think they were going to win this game, but I'd like to see a better showing out of a team that is fighting for their life to get into the tournament right now. This team has two games left. They're going to play against Iowa on Wednesday, 6.30 here at the Breslin. Then they go to Chrysler Arena Saturday at Michigan, 2.30 game. These games, they need to win them both, mm-hmm. no matter what. I tell you, they lose both. They lose one of these games, they're going to have to do something in the Big Ten tournament. Now, let's right now, real fast, get to these two upcoming games. Okay, The game Wednesday against Iowa. Iowa's coming to the Breslin. Do you see that as a W for us? <laughs> No, not with the team. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, no, <laughs> not with the team that I've seen these past two games. Um, Iowa killed us last time, and we're sitting here saying they're the worst team in the Big Ten. This is such an easy win. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're kind of just—I think they did the same thing, brushed it off. Like mm, they have a losing record. They're not that good. Uh-huh. And then we had our 
butts kicked. What was it? It was at least, wasn't it like four? We lost, it was like 72 to 52 at the end of the game, but we were down 31 to 8 at some point. I mean, we were getting annihilated. It was the most, probably one of the more embarrassing games we've had this year, if not the most. The most embarrassing yes. in my yes. And, well, I'm comparing it to Purdue, because that was pretty bad, too. Um, But, I with the team we have right now, if Iowa comes the way they did, with the intensity they did, with the shooting they did the last time we played them, there is absolutely no way we can beat Iowa. But I, if they can, if, if if State can turn it around, get their get their butts into shape, realize that they, if they don't do what they need to do, they won't make the tournament. Then they can do it. Mm-hmm. I've seen that team. We saw that team two weeks ago. We have seen that team. Yeah, and we've never seen this team consistently though. No, 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 no. And they need to get it done. And I think they need to get that in their heads. And I like I can't sit here and say yes or no because it depends on the team that decides to show up. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be the, the Ohio State team that only lost by what ten by ten in like the last five minutes? Yep. Or is it going to be the team that showed up to Purdue? Like it's it's so back and forth. They're schizophrenic team. Yeah. I mean, you've seen that all season. Exactly. And so I I would I would love to make prediction, but I'd have to see the team the first couple minutes of the game to really decide who is going to win because we're. Like you said, we're a schizophrenic team. Oh, they're very schizophrenic. And coming with the game on Wednesday against Iowa, I do believe that they're gonna. They all remember the beatdown they took out there in Iowa, which was yeah the worst game of the season for the Spartans. Uh, you know, yeah, you could argue this game against Purdue, but Purdue's a way better team, phenomenally better, and they still lost by the same margin. So that Iowa game was a joke. Um, I do think they're gonna come out actually like they seem to after a crap loss like this. They'll come out and they'll play well. They're at home. I think the crowd crowd gets into it. crowd will be there Wednesday, 6.30. People are going to like it. People are going to show up. I say they win that game. I definitely do. My big question mark and what scares me is actually having to go to Chrysler Arena on Saturday and play Michigan. This is Michigan's final game of the season. Uh, they're sitting just like us, practically. Uh, this team is 18-12. and 12. They're 8-9 uh, in the conference. This is their final game of the season. They need to win also to give themselves a good chance of getting into the tournament. That game really scares me against Michigan. Michigan has played uh, a lot of teams very well this season. They have had a tough schedule. Uh, they had a, a just a, a heartbreaker of a loss to Wisconsin uh, earlier last week. If anyone did not catch that, Wisconsin hit a buzzer-beater three-pointer to steal that game from Michigan at Chrysler Arena last week. That game obviously probably stomped on the hearts a little bit of those kids. But that's what scares me about this game upcoming. I think that Michigan's going to be ready to play. And I'm going to go on a limb and say right now, I say Michigan beats Michigan State at Chrysler Arena on Saturday. Call it whatever it is, gut feeling, I don't know. I just have a feeling that Michigan is going to beat us two times this year. They're going to show up, and they're going to get it done. I just I have this gut feeling. I don't know what to tell you, Megan. I just I really think that Michigan's going to show up on Saturday and beat us. And where does that leave us? Oh, what, 17 and 13, 99 in the conference. Big Ten tournament awaits. <coughs> Excuse me. But uh, right now, for all you uh, listeners, uh, ESPN bracketologist Joe Lunardi, who is basically updating his bracket just about every four seconds, it seems like, these days. <laughs> um, he actually has Michigan, Michigan State, and Oakland University all in the 68-team NCAA tournament. He has the Spartans right now as the 10 seed, playing number 7 seed George Mason in the first round. He has the Wolverines as the number 12 seed in the playing game in Dayton, Ohio, against Baylor. And he has the Golden Grizzlies as the number 13 seed against 
against Louisville. So that's where Lunardi sees us as of today, as of, you know, the loss after Purdue and all that. We'll see what happens after these two games this week. Like I said, I do believe they'll beat Iowa. I got a feeling they're going to lose to Michigan. They probably need to win a game in the NCAA tournament. I mean, in the Big Ten tournament. But I think State gets into the tournament. Uh, State's just one of those teams. We've talked about it before. It's got a luster. People will watch them play. People like to see an upset. A team like this that has struggled just like a Kansas State come out there and see if they can make a deep tournament run. Real fast, uh, there was a story. Well, not really a story. Kind of a story. Darrell Summers made some comments after the uh, game, uh, after the uh, Purdue game. Let's hear this. (coughs) I don't know if he has much room to talk, but... No, not really. Um, you know, basically, uh, Darrell Summers uh, was talking. He was very frustrated after the loss to Purdue. Um, and in the locker room, he was quoted as saying, quote, we tried to fix the D. We tried to fix the offense and energy. Maybe it's something else, end quote. Then he added, quote, it's not my place to say certain things. We've tried to fix everything with us, end quote. Um, he's also talked about how he feels that he's kind of getting more of the blame than anybody else on this team, that almost these losses are all blamed on him. Because he was so good, and all of a sudden he's so bad. <laughs> and, yeah, you just wonder what has happened. And basically, you know, Coach Izzo came out immediately and wanted to, you know, basically state that he does not have a problem with Darrell Summers' comments. Coach Izzo was quoted as saying, quote, I will take all the blame for the way the season has gone. He later added, make sure you understand the season, the way it has gone so far. It is a coach's responsibility. I don't say that to take the pressure off of Darrell Summers. And, I mean, Izzo, as you know, the gentleman he is and he is the coach, he takes the blame as he should. He is the coach, and I respect that. But, you know, Darrell Summers is playing 25 to 30 minutes a game. Uh, the guy hasn't scored in double figures since the Iowa loss. Uh, this guy needs to start playing better basketball, or Michigan State will fizzle out in the first round of the tournament. Like I said, they're, th- they're predicting us to play George Mason. <laughs> Good luck. I mean, no offense. I mean, I, we'll lose that game. We will lose that game to George Mason. And uh, it's just, I just really hope Michigan State can figure it out. They need to win these next two games. They need to get it done. They have to win these two games. Uh, and if they lose one of these games, I'll be honest, if they lose in the Big Ten tournament first round, I almost feel they don't deserve to go to the tournament. I just, I mean, I, I get it. They're going to they're gonna make it there. They will make it to the tournament. I'm just saying, if they lose to Iowa or lose to Michigan and then lose the first round in the Big Ten tournament, I don't feel this team deserves to go. I, I bet you can find more deserving teams out there than Michigan State. It's almost as if they wouldn't have the heart if they just if they lose these next you know three games first round Big Ten tournament Michigan Iowa it's it's like they've given up is how I feel if if they lose those games they're they just don't, they don't want it yeah and I feel like that's kind of where they are right now even um they they don't want it they're they're done and I think I don't know if it's getting to them where preseason rank number two um. At the, his own camp out saying anything less than a national championship is a failure. Like, I don't know if that was in their head for a while. And now that they're not doing so well that it's getting to them and they're like, we're done. We don't care about anything else. I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's emotional. I don't know if it's a whole Lucia situation, even though that was a while ago. I don't know what's going on. I feel like there's stuff behind the scenes we don't know that mm-hmm. are kinda, that's kind of getting to the team. Um, but, I mean, they just need to show it more on the court. And if, if they lose the next three games in a row, we, 
are they like you said we don't deserve to I just say I don't think they deserve it. I think they need to grow up. I mean this we're not so this isn't a team, right? We're not talking about a team that's, you know, just you know, nine and four, like we just started a season or like they're just starting to struggle. They've been struggling, they know what the problem I think they know what's wrong. I think they know they don't know how to fix it. I think they know what's wrong. And they just need to play with a little more maturity. I think they need to not get down on themselves and not sit there moping and doping on the bench. I'm sorry, get over it and play basketball. Do the things that you found that have worked. There's been a lot of games this season where you found that consistency in the lineups and the way they play basketball, where they don't just become a jump-shooting team. They force their way into the paint. They, they're aggressive. They get to the foul line. You know, they do the things that, you know, I know this is cliche, what Izzo teams do. They rebound the ball well and they shoot from the free throw, free throw line well. Well, you know what? That's not cliche. It's the truth. You do the little things well, and if you're not shooting the ball well, you can win games. They need to get it out of their heads that I think they think low of themselves. And I don't think they take themselves as seriously as they should when they play the better teams in the Big Ten. That's the other thing is when they get down low, it works. When they don't, um, they were so timid down low. Uh, Delvon Rowe would have the ball down there. He'd look, he'd look around, and then he'd pass it back out to the perimeter. And I don't know how many times they almost ran out of, out of time on the shot clock because they they like would throw it around. You know, oh, we got time, we got time, we got time. 35 seconds is a long time, but... No, but still, it's like Izzo yeah. said, it's toughness. You didn't see the toughness. Okay, they weren't scrapping. Okay, they weren't scrapping for the ball. They were kind of standing around and hoping yeah. for things to develop around them when you need to create that development. You can't expect a play just to make itself out of nothing. You need to be aggressive. You need to push the basketball, and you can't just sit on your sit on your sit on your thumbs and just think, "Oh, maybe we'll come back." I well, know. and they had some big guys down there during Purdue. I, I understand that, but if you go up with it, you're gonna get a foul call. I mean, most of those guys down there. I mean. Draymond Green isn't the best free throw shooter, but when we need him, he's still he pretty does, good. He does what he needs to do, and I they just they were just being so timid, no aggressiveness. Like I said, defensively, offensively, um, anything like that, and it's it, it really hurt him in the long run. It really hurt him. Oh, definitely. And uh, real fast, give you guys uh, the new uh, college basketball polls that came out today. Uh, Ohio State is the new number one team in the country. Uh, Kansas is number two by just a very slim margin, just four points separating one and two there. Uh, BYU has jumped to three now after defeating San Diego State uh, this past weekend. Uh, Duke is four. They fell because they had lost to Virginia Tech on Saturday night. So they're, the, they're four now. Pitt is five. Purdue is six. Notre Dame's Seven. Texas is eight. San Diego State fell to nine. And Wisconsin is 10. That rounds out your top 10. And if you want to give me a call later in the show, you know, on the chances of the Spartans making the tournament, do they deserve to make the tournament? Give me a call, 517 432 3893. We are going to take a quick break right now. But when we get back, we're going to be talking a little Tiger Spring training, uh, the whole hoopla over there in Auburn Hills, a little Red Wings. And uh, we're going to touch on a little NASCAR again. Kind of make a <laughs> Uh, you know, this a little consistent thing on the show. But uh, you listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on Impact Exposure. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Smoking helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want mysmokefreeapartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building. Without all that smoking. Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. Mysmokefreeapartment.org. 
For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. And uh, like I said, we're going to get to a little Tiger Spring training right now. Uh, spring training kicked off uh, last week. And uh, Tigers actually played today. They played the New York Yankees in their uh, third spring training match of this season. And they beat the Yankees 6-2 to in the exhibition game today in Lakeland, Florida. And this was actually the first game that Miguel Cabrera uh, played in. He was actually uh, the DH for us, as Leland had stated uh, the last couple days. And uh, he was 0-2 on the day. Uh, he did draw a walk, uh, left three on base uh, as the DH today. Um, Kale Lorg, he homered for the Tigers. And Ryan Stribe, he knocked in two runs. Um, for the Tigers right now, like I said, they're 3-0 uh, and o in spring training, if that means anything to anybody. Uh, uh, this is the first two runs they've actually given up uh, all of spring training so far. They uh, you know, they beat the Blue Jays 4-0 uh, to zero the other day and then beat them one nothing the day before that. So uh, right now, Megan, I mean, I know it's real early. I mean, the Tigers, I mean, I haven't watched any of them yet, to be yeah. honest with you. But... Um, from what I hear, Cabrera looks good. He looks great out there. Uh, you know, Joe Girardi uh, was quoted as saying, uh, you know, if I hadn't known anything was wrong, he looked the same to me, end quote. Um, you know, so everyone thinks he's looking good. Uh, Leland is saying that he's going to DH tomorrow against the Blue Jays, that he will not be uh, playing the field yet. But uh, just on your thoughts of everything with the Tigers real fast, uh, just, you know, come out to a nice win. This is, you know, they had 22 uh, scoreless innings, you know, uh, to start their spring training until they gave up a 2-0 lead in the fifth. But maybe what do you? Th- maybe it's the start of a good thing. Maybe I mean I'm just you know because I'm excited for baseball. We have like four weeks left, not even March 31st kicks off the season. So just trying to you know, re- you know, just finally seeing highlights on ESPN of baseball is kind of exciting. I'm so excited. That means on top of that, it means summer's coming and all yes. this crappy weather we've been having going away. Then my birthday's coming too. Yay! That's um, right. But I started something good. I mean, they started off so well last year. So well, they were top top of the top of the division. They were just great, and then all of a sudden they kind of dropped off. It's good to see them starting off strong again, um, because I think that's the kind of mindset they need to have. Um, the whole Cabrera thing. I'm glad they're moving on from it. And then I know I was, I've kind of read halfway through one of the articles on on um, the Free Press, I think, and they were saying that he wouldn't answer any questions except for any that was that were baseball related. Yeah. I mean As he should. Yeah, it's fine. Good for him. He already answered his questions. He did his press conference. Right. And I, I I'm excited. I love baseball. I've said that multiple times, talked about our favorite um all star game, baseball. That's right. And I I love baseball season and I'm glad they're starting the way they are. Three and all. I'm glad Cabrera is almost back to normal as we can as far as we can see. Hopefully we don't have another another relapse, but you know, let's 
if that happens, it happens. Can't and, really, yeah. We yeah. can't speculate. Right. You just you hope he, you know, whatever care he's getting, whatever mm-hmm. rehab he's in, whatever it might be, that he just, yeah, he's fine. He gets yeah. better. Because you can never know with an alcoholic. I mean, alcoholic could be clean for nine, ten years and then fall off the wagon. Right. Who knows? Yeah, and I, I'm, I guess I'm just going to end with, I'm super pumped. I'm super ready for, pumped. Ready for baseball season. I want to be at opening day so bad. Me too. April 8th. Uh, that's going to that's gonna be awesome against Kansas City. Uh, one, 105 game. That should be fantastic. Uh, hopefully the weather is finally good come April. You never yeah. know in this state. But, uh, you know, like I was saying about the game, uh, Justin Verlander today, he started for the Tigers. He pitched two scoreless innings with two hits, two walks, and one strikeout. And then uh, Rick Porcello came in, and he threw two scoreless innings, three strikeouts. Charlie Furbush was the only Tigers pitcher to give up a run today um you know like i said two consecutive shutouts against the blue jays but uh nothing to get worked up about whatever they gave up two runs but then they scored two runs each in the sixth seventh and eighth inning to give themselves a six to two win uh the starting lineup for the tigers today for all you listeners austin jackson one then rayburn mags miguel cabrera at four v mart johnny peralta brandon edge scott sizemore and alex avila to round out your nine legit that's a so, great lineup. Very legitimate, uh, you know. Very, uh, you know, very good. I like that lineup a lot. I really do. Uh, Peralta, and eh, we'll see what he does, uh, batting wise. But uh, Victor Martinez, I love that three, four, five is fantastic. Mags, Cabrera, Victor Martinez, I'm loving it. And if Rayburn can actually maintain his second half of the season like he did last year, oh, yeah. if he can actually match that, because he always does, he always does poorly in one half and good in the other half. <laughs> uh, if he can kind of keep that more consistent for the entire season, I'm not expecting him to be phenomenal but just a little more consistency in his bat we could have a very dangerous one through five uh, you know top one through five mm-hmm. um so i'm again same sentiments as you there's not much we can say more about it right now um they are playing the blue jays tomorrow at 105 so you know check that out if you want to uh there's still a whole month of spring training uh, exhibition games to be played and like i've said the season starts march 31st at the new york yankees so circle the date on your calendar if you want because i know i have <laughs> uh, but we are going to move on past baseball because, again, there's just not as much. You can't really talk about much right now. But uh, we're going to move on to a topic that I really want to talk about ever since this story broke on Friday. And that is regarding the Detroit Pistons. And uh, right now I do want to pose a question to our listeners out there about the Detroit Pistons. So you can call in any time about this. Uh, first off, you know, seven players had missed uh, shoot-around practice on Friday. Um, a bunch of different excuses were made. Tracy McGrady basically called in six, said he had a headache. Uh, you know, Tayshawn Prince, stomach flu, sore back. Ben Wallace wasn't around because his brother has been very ill over the last month. Rip Hamilton just didn't show. Rodney Stuckey and Austin Day missed the bus. Chris Wilcox overslept. <laughs> I can go on and on. One guy had a pimple he couldn't pop. I mean, whatever you want to... Okay, so they had a lot of excuses. My question to the audience, do you believe it? Because as of today, it seems like everything's all hunky-dory. Everything's fine out there in La La Land with the Pistons. Uh, you know, Custer and Hamilton have, you know, they've made, you know, they've, they've, all, they've made up. Everything's good. Everything's fine. There's no dysfunction. Do you believe it? I mean, do you believe that this wasn't a stage protest? Do you believe it was a coincidence that all these guys missed for whatever their reasons were? And I just mentioned them, and I'll say some more of them. I'll say them again. But do you believe it? Five one seven four three two three eight nine three. I mean, how many names did you just list off? <laughs> Seven. Yeah, too many. Oh man, yeah, that's just. Do I believe here? Do we'll you start, believe we'll start with that? Yeah. Do you believe that this was a coordinated protest of Coach John Cuser? As you know, reports came out by Vince Ellis out of the Detroit Free Press. Those reports came out on Friday, 
And then on Saturday, they were denied. Blah blah blah, and now today at shoot around at practice, Custer's uh, you know you know passing Hamilton the ball for his layup for his shot drills from the free throw line and the three point line. They're fist pounding. I mean, do you think all is well in Detroit, or this is all just a big thing to kind of keep things cool? I, I don't think all is well in Detroit right now. I don't think all is well at the Palace. I mean, how do seven guys have like five different excuses for a reason they didn't show up to one single event? Mm-hmm. Like that's just way that'd be a really ridiculous coincidence if you ask me. One guy oversleeps, two missed the bus, this many missed the shoot around. Like, I don't think I think it was staged to an extent, but I don't okay. think it was like you. Now you two missed the bus. Now we won't show up to the shoot around, and then you just fake sick. I don't think it was something like that. I think it was, we're unhappy with what's going on. Let's just not come. Let's show up late. I think it was just something like that. Maybe they kind of, maybe they're in the locker room discussing it to each other. Uh-huh. They called each other and were like, yeah, I think I'm going to be late to practice. And then, oh, that's a great idea. Like, I mean, there's so much speculation you can do. There's so many different scenarios that could have happened. But do I believe it was a coincidence? No. I, but again, do you believe it was a staged protest? I don't think. See, that's that's such, I, such a gray area. It's it's me. a tough thing. It's you know, did yeah, was it or how about this? What excuses of the players I've mentioned do you believe? I mean, because honestly, I do believe a couple of these. Uh, obviously, I believe Ben Wallace, his brother, has been very gravely ill for the last month. He has missed uh, games before in the last month and had four family matters. Mm-hmm. I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe that man could not make it here, and that's all. That's fine. You take care of your family. Uh, Prince with his upset stomach. McGrady with his headache. Um, <laughs> sorry, your head hurts. You can't play basketball? Yeah, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, listen, brain aneurysm, and you're about to die. I, I get it, T-Mac. It. You're only making $1.3 million this year, but <laughs> if a headache kept me out of going to work, I wouldn't have a job, okay? I think we all have had headaches at in school or at work, and we showed up. Or we didn't leave early. Okay, you're making good money. You show up. Um, now, is this is true? If Prince and McGrady, uh, you know, were with uh, Artie Kander, who's the strength and conditioning coach the night before, which the organization is saying, then they would have been excused from shoot around. Do I believe it? No, not with those guys. <laughs> Austin Day, Rodney Stuckey, they showed up late, took a cab, showed up just as shoot-around was ending. They said they had every intention of showing up, except there was some kind of mix-up when the bus was leaving from the team's hotel. How many shoot-arounds have you guys been to? I kind of doubt it. Uh, again, Hamilton, they have no excuse for Hamilton. Hamilton just didn't show up um, at all. Uh, Wilcox, Day, Stuckey, and Hamilton all have been fined, as they should be. Uh, McGrady, Prince and Ben Wallace are not fine because they had excuses that were legitimate. Um, again, when it comes to the situation, I don't believe it was a coincidence. Yeah, I don't believe it's coincidence. I don't necessarily believe it was a staged protest, but uh, I think they all kind of had an idea. I think it was like you the, said in that gray area that I couldn't <laughs> explain. I mean, yeah. obviously, they weren't like we're all going to stand outside with picket, you know, picket signs. We hate this. We, we hate Qster. Yeah, like you know, I don't think it was something like that, or it wasn't a big coincidence. I think it's within that gray area that I couldn't give you an explanation for. No, and I mean, it's just. And when I heard the story on Friday, and I guess I'm kind of happy to hear in a little bit that this wasn't a stage protest, but I'm not sold on it. I mean, I'm, I'm sold on a, like like a little bit of it, a smidgen of it, but. It's a joke. 
And I was very angry to hear this happen with the players. Um, you could come up with all the excuses you want. Um, if these guys, and here's my point, if anyone saw Friday's game against the Philadelphia 76ers, we only played a six-man roster. We played six guys. And for an NBA game, that's ridiculous. Okay, Will Bynum played 48 minutes, played the entire game. Those guys that played that night on the court put their hearts on the line, and they played a great, they played as well as you could. They lost by 14 points to the Sixers. They did everything they could out there. You know, Greg Monroe, Charlie Villanueva, Jason Maxiel, Ben Gordon, these guys came to play because they were the only ones that could. And that's the thing. If these guys, if you look at guys like Rodney Stuckey, guys like Austin Day, guys like Will Cox who quote-unquote slept in or missed the bus, then why weren't they playing that night? Was that their punishment? Because it's not like they were sick. Okay, McGrady had a headache. Tayshon had this stomach flu. All right, well, they can't play that night, I guess. (laughs) But these other guys, okay, because they're late, just by not playing all of them, it kind of made it seem to me that it wasn't just that simple, that they didn't just miss the bus, Mm -hmm. that I think there's more to it than that. You're not going to have a six-man roster and, you know, punish these six guys, basically, because because three other guys showed up late and overslept. I think there's more to do with it that they would have played those guys if it was just something as simple as, dang it, there was a miss, there was confusion between the bus and the hotel and, and all this. That seems a little too easy. I give these guys, these six players who actually did play, so much credit. I mean, I played IM basketball, which is mm-hmm. not nearly anything like pro, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's still a 40-minute game. You have to have three girls on the court at all times because it's co-ed. And I yeah. played the whole 40 minutes before, and I thought I was going to curl over Just and Just keel die. over? Yeah, like, that's where I was. And I give them so much credit for only losing by 14 with six guys. Holy cow. And pro basketball, can, like, Congratulations to them. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to like say this is a good thing, but like. Holy no, but yeah. I mean, not to mention guys like Will Bynum, who you know he's not a starter. He's not used to playing 48 minutes. Dewan Summers played more minutes in that game than he played all season. Okay, so that tells you something. You know, these guys they did all they could. They showed up. Uh, but we have a caller, so let's go to the phones. Hey, John, you're on the Spartan Sports Rep. Yeah. Hello. How's it going? Good. Uh, I want to talk about, uh, you said something about, do you think uh, Michigan State should be in uh, in the playoffs or in the basketball and stuff? Yeah, in the tournament. Yeah, in the tournament. Well, you know, I, I'm an old-timer, okay? And I look back and, you know, you have, like, basketball, you have hockey, you have teams one through eight. I mean, that's a lot to me. And I have this... Uh, discrepancy with my brother Paul who uh, thinks that that's good and to me I think that if you go one through eight I mean are you really playing that hard during the regular season I mean to make the playoffs I mean uh, baseball well I mean first off John I mean we're talking you're talking about college basketball because the NBA they have you know they're yeah they're one through eights and same with hockey you're one through eight for each conference but in the NCAA tournament there's 68 teams that are going to make it this season. It's not a. It's not like the NBA. It's not like you know uh, the NHL. It's it's different than that. So I mean, I, what I want to know is, I mean, how many games? I mean, do you have to be above five hundred in order to make the playoffs? I mean, uh, does Michigan State have a chance? Well, no, they definitely have a chance, and there's no set amount of games that they need to have to get over to make it to the tournament. Uh, I mean, you know, you like to be probably around eighteen, nineteen win totals. Uh, roughly to probably get into the tournament, uh, I would say usually, yeah, you need to be about, I don't know, Megan, eight games above 500, nine games above 500 probably to get into the tournament. Uh, roughly right around there usually. 
Okay, so does Michigan State have a chance? Oh, they obviously have a chance. They have a good chance. They're going to make the tournament. I mean, like I said, the, the the league, the NCAA wants Michigan State in the tournament because they will. They're a good marketing crowd. They'll have a good TV rating. They'll draw people in to watch their games, no matter how okay. much they've struggled. All right. So what is Michigan State's record right now? Then it the, wins and losses. They're sixteen and twelve, eight and eight in the conference. Okay, so I guess that's good enough to get into the tournament. Well, they got two games left in the regular season, and then they have their Big Ten tournament coming up uh, next week. So roughly, I mean, hypothetically, they could have another three to four wins probably to their total. And the thing about MSU with the market and everything is last year they weren't expected to get into the Final Four, and they were such an upset team, and they made it all the way. Like you were saying, it's just so much publicity almost. Yeah. And to see a yeah. team that that has been struggling as much as they have this year, more than they were last year, yeah. uh, maybe potentially make it as further than they're expected to you know we're saying maybe first round if they're seated where they're going to be yeah they'll be out um and it'll be i'm sure people if they make it past first round people will start watching 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 like this team you know they had they had it right now they have a 50 percent like 500 record and if they keep going i mean people are going to keep watching no without a doubt but uh thank you very much for the call john all right all right bye all right bye-bye but, um, you know, getting back to the Pistons uh, right now, uh, like I said, uh, today uh, Joe Dumars finally came out with some comments uh, regarding the Detroit Pistons. Guy's been quite tight-lipped about this whole situation. I thought he should have came out and said something on Friday or Saturday or even yesterday uh, when, these, uh, you know, when this story broke. But uh, Joe Dumars was quoted as saying, quote, we've had a long and proud history of being a first-class organization that handles its business the right way. We expect everyone that represents the Detroit Pistons to do so in a first-class manner, and that will continue as we move move forward. He was also, uh, you know, basically talked about them making a final push for the playoffs and that, you know, the team and its whole fractured core, in essence, isn't fractured, that things aren't as bad as reports have been, and that this team that is now five and a half games out of the final playoff spot, you know, is going to just be focused on making a final push for the playoffs. And, uh, you know, Coach Kuster and uh, Rip Hamilton again today spoke about uh, what has been going on with the Pistons. Uh, I guess, like I said already, they're at shoot-around. Kuster's tossing them basketballs. They're doing a little fist pound, uh, you know, making things look good for the media out there in Auburn Hills. Uh, Kuster said, quote, we met and we had a good conversation. The conversation went very well. He worked today and he did a good job. He just said, Q, pass me the ball. And I said, okay. My passes were pretty good, end quote. Uh, and that's Q's referring to Rip Hamilton. And then uh, basically, you know, Hamilton was asked, when did you and Kuster have this conversation? I mean, when did it happen? Hamilton says, quote, it was a minute ago. It happened, and it was a minute ago. It happened a while ago. It was a great conversation. So he can't say when it was, but it happened. Kuster uh, never either, he never said as well when these guys had this conversation. Which another reason to have me, if you heard all this stuff, if you saw this interview, heard this interview, it's kind of fluff, in my opinion. Um, I think that they were out there kind of showcasing to the media that everything's all right and everything's fine, everything's good. They kind of put on a good face for the organization at this point. I mean, the team is still up for sale. Tom Gore still hasn't reached a deal with Karen Davidson on this. This team is in purgatory right now, and I feel that they're just trying to put on a little face. I mean, like what? They just finally solved their four-month issues like yesterday after all this? I don't buy it. I just think... 
you know, the Pistons, again, they had a great win on Saturday against Utah. Beat a team they hadn't beaten in six years. Okay, they beat Utah Jazz 120-116. to That was a nice win. They scored more points in that game than they had the entire season, which blows my mind. I don't know. Again, talk about schizophrenic. This team, you know, they'll get stomped by, you know, the Cavs or something, and then they'll beat the <laughs> they'll beat the Utah Jazz. Uh, it's somehow 120 points. Can't play defense still. Uh, like I said, this team is five and a half games out of the playoffs right now. Uh, they play the Milwaukee Bucks tomorrow at Milwaukee, 8 o'clock tip-off. Uh, the rest, their next three games are all winnable games, Wednesday versus Minnesota, Sunday versus Washington. Uh, we'll see. I don't think the Pistons make the playoffs, um, and I don't really care anymore. I want to see this team, I want to see this team get sold, take the handcuffs off Joe Dumars, and let's finally get something of some credibility in this organization. We've, become, we've gotten more PR in a bad sense for the last week or two because of these, these theatrics all the time. I'm tired of it. Houston, he's gone at the end of the season anyway. These players need to show up, earn their paychecks, do their job. I don't care. If we don't like our boss, we get fired if we're going to not show up, okay? You guys show up. Your boss is Joe Dumars. Your boss is John Kuster. I don't care if you don't like him. I don't care if you have a headache. Go to work. We all do it here, and you make a lot more money than us. Okay, but we're going to move on real fast. I want to talk about the Detroit Red Wings uh, for a brief second, and then we'll touch on the NASCAR real quickly. Uh, the Red Wings uh, have uh, signed uh, Jimmy Howard to a two-year extension worth uh, $4.5 million. Uh, Howard, who is 27 year, he'll be 27 next month. He's become eligible to be. He would have been eligible to become an unrestricted free agent this summer. Um, Ken Holland, Ken Holland was quoted as saying, "Quote: He's won almost 70 games for us in two years. He was a runner-up for the Rookie of the Year last year. We are very pleased to be keeping him in a Red Wings jersey." Um, Howard will get the start tonight against the Los Angeles Kings. The Wings are traveling out to L.A. Uh, this is uh, their fourth game. This will be their second game in a five-game road trip that they have out west. Um, they had a nice win against Buffalo on Saturday. Down 2 to nothing in this game. Uh, scored a tying goal with about a minute left in the third period. And Yuri Hoodler, game winner in the shootout. And he also had the game tying goal. So uh, the Red Wings keeping it up. They need to. They have 82 points. Five points behind the Vancouver Canucks on top of the Western Conference. You need to watch out for San Jose, though, who has won six straight games they're sitting at 78 points and we will be playing san jose uh very soon right now uh san jose uh like i said for the rest of this road trip they will be at la tonight uh puck drops at 10 30 wednesday at anaheim thursday at san jose saturday at phoenix so san jose phoenix and the kings all playoff teams right now all teams that are going to be very tough games they need to show up for these games they need to get it done but uh, nonetheless, like I said, the Wings played a nice come-from-behind win. It was very nice to see that against the Buffalo Sabres, especially after against a goalie like Ryan Miller, who we can all remember from the Olympics uh, last, uh, last spring, last summer. So good job for the Red Wings. Keep it up. Uh, should be a good game tonight. Uh, the trade deadline has passed for the NHL. It ended today, this afternoon. Um, as expected, the Red Wings did not make any moves uh, before the trade-led uh, deadline. So uh, they seem like they're all good right now. Um, they really only have 570000 in salary cap space, so no one really expected them to make much of a move. Uh, again, third-best record in the league. Really, no one was probably expecting them to do that. I mean, expect them to make a move by the deadline. So hats off to the Red Wings. Keep it up, guys. Always the most consistent team in this state. 
Keep it up, Red Wings. All right, Megan, I'm going to ship it over to you for NASCAR. All right. I want to apologize to my friend Alex because he was ready for me to give some detailed uh, NASCAR analysis, and it is. We have six minutes left, so apologies <laughs> to you, Alex. I'll do the best I can. Um, uh, cool thing happened yesterday. They had the Subway Fresh Fit 500 in Phoenix. Uh, Jeff Gordon, you know, childhood hero, the person you'd see all over the vending machines when you were a kid. Like, oh, you know NASCAR? You know Jeff Gordon? Of course you know Jeff Gordon. Of course, Pepsi. Um, his last win was in April 2009. He went 66 races without winning. Came in second a few times, finished top 10 a few times. Finally won it last night uh, by a margin of... Hang on. I have it. I have it. I'm here. <laughs> by a margin, margin of, of... Longer than this pause. 1.137 okay. <laughs> seconds, right? I know, right? Um, behind him was Kyle Busch, and then Jimmy Johnson, Kevin Harvick, and Ryan Newman. Um, I know fan pick. Everyone loves to hear about Dale Earnhardt Jr. Always. in the top ten. Uh, he's fan pick for for the thing. Um, I mean, Jeff Gordon was ecstatic the whole time. He's saying, "Pinch me, pinch me. This isn't real." Um, well, you haven't won in that long. I mean, I know. I that's his, actually his longest his longest uh, losing streak. Not losing, but you know, not drought first yep. streak. And um, they actually they had quite a, quite a few accidents. Um, they had one accident in the 66 lap. This was a 312 lap race. 66 lap where uh, they took out about 13 cars, and um, most of them, like half of them, I want to say, came back. Uh-huh. I watched one car go around the track without a front end, um, just just <laughs> the engine sitting on there. Like, hey, I'm gonna drive around. What's going on? Um, and I mean, it was it was interesting. We have the standings right now. We have Kyle Busch. This is all together. Kyle Busch with 80 points. Kurt Busch's brother, not far behind, with 77. Tony Stewart, AJ Allmendinger, and then Jeff Gordon. Those are your top five. Okay. Um, so far with the season, I mean, they still have what, like 30, somewhere around 30 races left. They have a lot of races yeah, left. So I mean, uh, yesterday was pretty cool. I sat there and watched it instead of doing homework, and um, got Jeff Gordon in first for the first time in six. Well, oh, good. I mean, Jeff Gordon. Yeah, nice. To always see someone get off the Schneid. And uh, where are they going to be racing next week? Um, uh, next week they will. I think you were be... saying Vegas. Yes, they will be in Vegas. Uh, says Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, Cobalt Tools 400, and it's at three o'clock on Fox. If you guys would like to take a look at it, I know the NASCAR is super exciting for some people, but hey, well, thing. listen, we got to give out some uh, racing fans something <laughs> out there, and uh, trust me, Steve. Listen, I'll try and do some IndyCar when IndyCar really gets going. <laughs> all right, and and some F1. I'll try uh, try and watch a race for once. <laughs> but um, we're gonna get to the interesting facts here. We got about three minutes left. What do we got today? Uh, miscellaneous, just oh, all kinds of random crap. Uh, <laughs> I guess you know mostly you probably forget most of it, but some of it's pretty funny. Uh, let's see. There's a large brass statue of Winnie the Pooh in Lima, Peru. That's really extremely random. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Winnie the Pooh. Ooh, Winnie the Pooh. Uh, I mean, why not? There should be one in East Lansing. Uh, let's see. There's a type. <laughs> it's our magic, our magic statue in yeah. the wrestling with Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> It'd be good. Uh, let's see. There's a type of coffin made that can be used as a wine rack or picnic table before its final use. That's like strange. That's just yeah. It's a little That's bizarre. It's a little weird. But uh, let's move on to the next one. Uh, there's an organization called Scrooge in Charlottesville, Virginia, that stands for Society to Curtail Ridiculous, Outrageous, and Ostentatious Gift Exchanges. This was formed to keep gift giving affordable and simple. 
I mean, it's a this cool. It's funny. It's pretty cool. I mean, they really, you know, they got to, they got it all. They Scrooge Society, curtail. I mean, I like it. Plan words. Ostentatious. Nice word, Charlottesville. <laughs> uh, let's see. There's enough water in American swimming pools to cover the whole city of San Francisco, seven feet deep. Wow. Well, hopefully the day after tomorrow. Doesn't happen. It does not happen. All right. There is no tipping in Iceland. And I don't mean like the country tipping. I'm talking about like tipping as like restaurants, anything like that. Oh. Just tipping it does not exist. Huh. They don't tip. Huh. So that's nice. You don't have to worry about that. I bet the waitresses get paid a little more hourly. Probably. I would assume. Uh, let's see. There was a 19th century Native American tribal chief who went under the name not able to fornicate. <laughs> What do you even say to that? Like, I, I have nothing know. to say. I'm just, I'm just letting the listeners know. I got no comment for that. No quip. All right. Uh, touching and stroking a plant will aid in its growing health. So, you know, kind of petting it like a pet <laughs> will help it, you know, be healthy. It's like a chia pet. It is. We all love chia pets, right? <laughs> Let's see. When Easter baskets were first introduced, they were made to look like a bird's nest. That's what all that um, string stuff on the inside is, I'm guessing. Yeah, it really looks like a bird can nest right in an Easter basket before all the robin eggs that get thrown in there. It's all about birds. All right. All right. This is the final one. This is one I wanted to say the whole time. Um, this is about Lego blocks. When you were a kid, I think we all played with Legos, uh, of course. Now, since 1949, the Lego company based in Denmark has produced more than 200 billion of the plastic elements that make up the Lego system. There are 102,989,000 ways to combine six of the eight standard bricks of one color. Huh. That's interesting. The name Lego did not come from the cry of an angry mother who couldn't get her kid to put down his toys and come to dinner. Quote, Lego, let go of those bricks or I'll kill you. <laughs> that is not where it came from. It is actually Danish, and it's uh, Legot, which means play well. So all you Lego fans out there, play well with your Legos. <laughs> and uh, I just want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to tonight's show. Definitely tune in next week for another lovely show of the Spartan Sports Wrap. For everyone listening out there, my name's Dave Rinkew. And I'm Megan. And you've been listening to Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure.